Our sermon passage this morning is going to be in Jeremiah. And why are we in Jeremiah, you might wonder. Jeremiah 6.16 was our theme verse at camp. And for two reasons, I've chosen to preach on that verse. One of them, you could probably guess, I figure it was a lot more likely that I could be ready to preach on that verse than an entirely different passage after I've been working on that verse at camp all week. But two, because it is the 4th of July, actually today on Sunday, this verse seemed to me pretty appropriate for us as Christians, uh, citizens of the kingdom of heaven who are also citizens of America. Because I know that we do have a sense that in many ways our country and the culture in our country is going in a bad direction. It's not going toward God and his ways, it's going away from God and his ways, and that's of of great concern to us. And I think this passage really speaks to that. So I'd just like to begin by reading it. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. It says, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look, and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, and walk in it, and find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in it. So just briefly to catch you up with their situation, when the prophet Jeremiah first spoke these words to God's people, this is uh, long ago, this is before Jesus was born, God's people, Israel and Judah, they had forsaken their God who had formed them as a people and brought them into the promised land. They had forsaken their God. They had instead chosen to worship and trust and serve idols that they made with their own hands, and had moved as, as far away from God as they could. They had completely rejected and rebelled against their God, their creator, who created them as his people. And one part of Jeremiah says that they went after worthless things and became worthless because of it. All their leaders pointed them toward idols instead of toward God. Their priests, their governmental rulers... Everybody was pointing the people of Israel away from God and toward idolatry. That as a nation, they exchanged the one true God that they alone had among the world. They exchanged their, the one true God for false gods. Jeremiah uses a, an image of a, uh, a fountain. He says, you have left the fountain of living water. God himself is this fountain of living water, always a source of renewed truth and goodness and direction and provision and protection and glory. They had forsaken this fountain of living waters and tried to build cisterns for themselves that couldn't even hold water. They had left this fresh-flowing fountain of life in God himself and were scrambling around on their hands and knees in the mud trying to squeeze water out of nothing. It it could not be more foolish, could not be more wicked, could not be more evil than what God's people had done in rejecting him and turning to idols. And so they faced God's judgment. They faced a deteriorating society as the accumulating consequences of that kind of rejection of God mounted. Their their whole society was degraded. But they were facing judgment. God was going to send neighboring nations to shame them and destroy them in judgment, as he promised he would do if his people rejected him and turned away from him. But the destruction was not going to be total. I'm going to read Jeremiah 23, 5. 
He always left hope for the future. In Jeremiah 23, verse 5, he said, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David, which is a way of talking about his people, Israel, a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. So the image is God was going to just chop his people down like a tree and just bring judgment upon them, chop them down like a tree, and what was going to remain would be a stump sitting there. But that wasn't going to be the end of his people. There was going to be a branch was going to spring up from what remained, the remnant. And this branch would be a good king. And we know that this was going to be Jesus Christ, the Savior King that would come that we trust in. So he wasn't completely giving up on his people, and his solution was a coming king that would sprout up from the remnant of Israel. And this king would be wise. This king would lead his people in the right way. Along with this coming king was going to be a coming new covenant that he was going to make with his people. I just want to read one more passage in Jeremiah. It's 31, chapter 31, verses 31 through 33. We need this groundwork to understand how to receive chapter 6, verse 16. So here's another promise. Even though all this judgment was coming upon his people, here's another promise. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So a day was coming when there'd be a good king, and God would so transform his people through a new covenant that they would be able to walk by his ways where they before had failed for generations and generations. So, as we want to respond to this verse that's before us today, verse 16, thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. We can do that, whereas they failed to do that. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven under the promised king, Jesus Christ, as Christians. Now, not just as American Christians, but as Christians. We and our fellow Christians from all around the world and all throughout history who are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we are empowered to walk by God's ways in a way that no other nation and no other people has ever been able to. Even Israel couldn't because they were under the old covenant and they didn't have the Holy Spirit to empower them to do it like we do. So we are citizens of King Jesus. We are in the new covenant we're able to obey what God calls his people to do in verse 16. We're able to listen when thus says the Lord. Whereas otherwise, we would have our ears plugged to God's voice just like they did and just like so many around us do. We're able to consider, to stand by the roads and look and consider the path that we're walking. Whereas, apart from Jesus Christ and the new covenant, we would not be able to do that. We would go dumbly along with our bodily instincts and the natural course of this world just like they did and just like so many around us do. 
We're able to ask for the ancient paths, the never-changing true ways of God's word. Whereas otherwise, apart from Jesus, we would forsake those paths just like they did and just like so many others do now. We're able to walk in the good way, whereas otherwise we would choose the bad way. We're able to receive this rest for our souls, whereas otherwise we too would be restless, just like they were and just like so many others are during our time. It is as important as ever that we do these things as God's people. I think that's really a pretty simple message, really, when I get down to it. The big idea is we need to walk by God's good ways. It's always important. It's always been important, but it is as important as ever right now that Christians walk by God's good ways. And more specifically for us as American Christians, that we insist on walking by God's good ways. It's as if all of the signs that would guide us in this world have been flipped upside down and turned backwards. And if we only went by the directions given to us by the world, we would think that what was up was actually down. And we would think that what was right was actually wrong. And we would think that what was wise was actually foolish. And we would think what was right was actually wrong. And we would be completely turned around and completely lost. But we have our GPS here. And it's the only trustworthy guidance. It is as important as ever that we walk by God's good ways that he has given us in his word as Christians. It's essential that we listen well. We can't phase out during sermons. We can't leave our Bibles in our cars all week long. We have to listen to God's words. We can't go with the flow. We need to think well about the decisions that we make, the priorities that we embrace, the causes that we back. We can't coast along. I think there was a time when Christians in America felt like they were in kind of a lazy river. And everybody else was a Christian too, or at least they lived by basic Christian morality. And so we could just kind of float along with the current, along with those our neighbors and everybody else, and we kind of held the same basic convictions, lived by the same basic principles. But that's not the case really anymore. It's more like a rip current now. We've got to be vigilant or we will get swept away from God just like Israel did back then. We've got to be vigilant to be planted here in God's word and God's ways or we'll be swept away as well. We'll drift into idolatry and degradation and a rejection of God if we're not careful. If we are going to stay close to God and live by his word and trust him and obey him the way we ought to as citizens under King Jesus, then we're going to have to swim against the current. We're going to have to be very intentional to do so. Practically, that just means that God's word needs to be our primary influence. I mean, really, Rhonda kind of preached the sermon briefly in her mutual encouragement. We're going to have to work hard to make this our primary influence because the world now has so many megaphones blaring in our ears and billboards in front of our eyes all day long, screaming its messages at us. It's going to be very easy to get confused in one direction or another. 
it's going to be very easy to get confused if we don't make God's word our primary influence. So just think for a moment, what is influencing you? What all do you take in through an average week that influences your worldview, the way you perceive people and situations around you, the way you think? Just think about all the influences you receive throughout a given week. Think about the news outlets, think about the podcast, think about the music, the radio, the conversations. Think about what you're reading these days. Think about your internet scrolling. Think about your social media feeds. Think about what all is flowing in. Can you say that God's word is your primary influence in how you think? I hope so, and if not, you might need to readjust what all you're taking in to let the word be your primary influence. You need to do like they described in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. He told his people, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We're going to need a, a comprehensive strategy to be centering our lives on God's truth in a world that has a comprehensive strategy of trying to dislodge us from standing on God's truth. We can't be passive about it. We have to be active about it. And it's, it's not complex. It's as simple as committing to align your life with the rhythms of our church where we meet and we receive God's word preached, working to develop daily devotional habits where you're receiving God's word, disciplining yourself to actually responding to what you're hearing, asking the questions you need to ask to understand it. Christians have been doing this for generations and generations through all kinds of difficult times, and we, we will do it too. But it's not just like a dry duty. God's ways are good. It says, stand by the roads and look. Ask for the ancient paths where the good way is. This is the good way. And walk in it and find rest for your souls. There's deep down soul rest to be found by living by God's ways. So on this 4th of July, just, this is just a simple reminder for us to recenter ourselves on God's word and God's ways in a culture that is doing anything but that. And as we pivot now to the Lord's Supper, it's a reminder that the only reason we can do that is because of what the Savior King, the Lord Jesus Christ, has done for us on the cross. Apart from him, we would all be rebelling and rejecting God as much as possible, but he lived the sinless life that we have failed to live and died in our place on the cross so that we could be forgiven and reconciled to God and given new hearts, given the Holy Spirit and empowered to live by these good ways here in this world. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to receive the Lord's Supper together. Would you bow with me? Father, thank you for giving us this reminder this morning in your word. And I'm so grateful that we get to be citizens of your kingdom through faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, it grieves us to look around and see the direction that so many of our neighbors are, are going. So we do recommit ourselves to going your direction and your word. And I pray that as we receive the bread and cup, that it would reconnect us with our faith in Jesus Christ 
that the power of the gospel would would surge into our hearts, that we would be empowered to go out and live by your ways in this world this week. In Jesus' name, amen.